Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Queendom Talks. I am your host, Kenya B. And we're back for another episode, and I am just excited about this episode. I'm excited for a number of reasons. Um, to start off, this is my birthday month. It's October. <laughs> so if you didn't know, I'm really excited about my birthday. So that's one of the reasons why I drop every episode at 10:10 every Friday, because that's my birthday. So I love my birthday. That's something I, I really like, and I'm excited about October. But in addition to that, October is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I am so honored to have this beautiful queen with us today. Now, I know her personally, so I'm going to try so hard to call her by her name and not her nickname. But we have Andrea joining us today. Hey. Hey. (laughs) Thank you so much for just raising your hand, initiating this conversation that you would be a guest. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, um, we go back. Jackie, who's been on the podcast, she was probably episode three or four. That's my good friend, but that's Andrea's sister. So you told her like, hey, I'll be on the podcast and talk about about your survivor, survivor story. So I appreciate you doing that. What made you even do that? Um, Because... First of all, breast cancer will affect one in eight women. One in eight women will actually get breast cancer. I think most of us can say, I have eight friends, right? So for that to potentially affect my circle, that's, you know, that's a, it's eye-opening. It's scary. And um, an even scarier part of it is it truly affects women of color more than anyone else. And it's like, why us, right? But um, so I just want to get the word out and let women know, do self-exams, go get your annual mammogram. It's not that bad. (laughs) It's it's much easier than, you know, having like, uh, you know, it's much easier than having breast cancer. It doesn't prevent you from having breast cancer, um, but it does help you catch it early, which is important. So I... Again, thank you so much for even doing that because I know you and I've been around you and I just didn't even think that you would even want to be on the podcast. So when you <laughs> said that and you raised your hand, I was like, yes, of course. So <laughs> thank you. But you know how I like to start. I like to do a queendom check-in. How are you doing mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? You know what? I feel like I'm doing well. I feel like um, mentally I'm in a good place. My um, my family's well. Um, my life is well. I I can't complain. I can't. Um, uh, spiritually, I I feel like I'm doing well, but I feel like I'm growing. Um, I kind of got in a space where I was almost at a a standstill. You know, like where do I go now? And I don't know. I was just in this space. But I, I feel like, you know, I'm moving again and I'm, I'm growing and I'm loving it. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Um, this week, I feel, I feel good. I feel good in all those areas. I feel good mentally. I feel great. You know, I feel good. Uh, emotionally, I'm good. I'm balanced. I'm not too far to the right. I'm not going <laughs> off and popping off and you know, I'm keeping my emotions intact. And spiritually, I, I feel like I'm on a new transition, a new a new phase in my spiritual growth. And so I'm just trying to embrace that and 
and grow and go with it and not be like, uh, where is this taking me? You know, <laughs> like, God, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm just trying to flow in it. So that's really where I am. Um, so tell us about yourself. You know, where are you from? Tell me about okay. your family. Let's see here. So I am from East Texas. I'm from Tyler, Texas, uh, not too far from Dallas. I have two sisters and a brother. Um, Let's see. I've lived in Houston. I graduated from um, Prairie View and I moved straight to Houston from there. Uh, Moved to the big city. Uh, it It was quite a change, but a good change. And that's where I met my husband. Met my husband at work. We've been married for 18 years. We have three daughters and um, we live in Richmond on the outskirts of the Houston area. But yeah, just living life and it's moving at a very fast pace. (laughs) How old are your daughters? Um, 22, 13, soon to be 14 in October. She's an October baby as well. And then I have a 12 year old who is born on the same day as Jackie. So she's a 4th of July baby. (laughs) So what kind of work do you do? I'm the controller for a general contractor. So we build primarily schools and churches. Um, We will kind of step outside of that occasionally, but for the most part, that's what we're known for. And we've been in business for 60 years. I've been with this company for 13 years. So quite a while. They have seen a lot. Yeah, you've been there. You were a mom and starting your career all at the same Mm -hmm. time. All of that. Well, good. So tell us about your story. How did you find out that you were, or how did, how long ago was it? When were you diagnosed? Okay. Um, May 18th, 2021. I was diagnosed. um, So I'm 49, but I've, I've always gotten my annual mammogram every year since I was 40. You know, it's just routine in August. And I don't know why I chose August. It's not my birthday month, but that's when I did it. And so um, when I went in August of 2020, they told me, um, we see something, but it's so small. Come back in six months and let's see what it's doing. So I said, okay. And to be honest with you, I almost forgot because I'm thinking, you know, you get in this mindset of, Things like this don't happen to me, right? This happens to other people. Mm -hmm. And so I did go back and they said, the great news is what we thought we saw was just a cyst. So you're fine with that. But now that we're in here, we think we see something else. And that just hit me. It's, It's amazing how we can be so intuitive about our bodies. Because this time when she said she thought she saw something, I knew it was something. I did. I did. And so, and I think that's why I got so emotional. Like the first time I'm like, okay, fine, I'll come back. But the second time I, um, I knew. And so they, um, scheduled a biopsy and I did that. And then I'm at work a week later and my doctor called, this is just my gynecologist. And so we're just like chatting, she's chatting me up and I'm like, well, wait a minute, why are you calling me? And so she said, Andrea, you have cancer. Oh, okay. I'm at work. I am at work. And so I'm like trying not to be emotional because like I relive that moment like it happened yesterday. And so I called my husband and I was like, I have cancer. 
And I, I told my CFO, I got to go. And I don't know how, but I ended up in this Chick-fil-A parking lot that's not close to my job, not close to my home. And my husband knew exactly where to find me, which was so crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, and he met me in the parking lot and we just cried. We just cried in the car because I'm thinking about my kids, you know? Oh, gosh. I know. I feel like I'm about to cry. And I'm like, <laughs> so how long were you all in the parking lot? How long did you, you all stay there? In the parking lot. Honestly, I don't even know. I don't even remember. I just remember sharing that space and um, crying and holding him and just having all these thoughts grow through my head, right? It's, it's life-changing for sure. <laughs> yeah. So how long after finding out did you tell your daughters or when did you tell your daughters? How was um, I waited. I, um, you know, cause my doctor said you need to get into an, uh, in, into, you need to get an appointment with an oncologist as soon as possible. And so she recommended someone with Baylor and I went there and loved my doctor. I still love my oncologist. And I told my husband, let's get all of the details. I need to know the stage, the process, what to expect, because I know when I tell my kids, they're going to have questions. And I want to have answers. I don't want to, I don't want them to have sleepless nights thinking, well, what does this mean? You know, when I see stories about people with cancer on television, you know, they don't always survive. Is that going to be my mom? I just didn't want them to go through that. And I told him it is my mission to be completely honest about everything with them. And so we were, and we, um, so after meeting with my doctor and getting my first chemo scheduled, that's when we sat down and told them at dinner. And, you know, they were emotional. That's hard. Yeah. Um, but I told them, you know, if it's two in the morning and you can't sleep and you have questions, come wake me up. Let's talk about it. That's good. So what were you diagnosed with? What stage? What were you, What was your diagnosis? So fortunately, I was stage one and I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. And with the way breast cancer works, there are three receptors and um, I was negative for all of them. So this kind of um, shocked me that triple negative breast cancer did not have a name until 2005. So that's how new it is, 2005. And so they don't know what causes it. They don't know if it's food. They don't know if it's the environment. They don't know if it's stress. Um, they just, they don't know. There are so many unknowns with it, but um, it's becoming more popular, if that's the right word. So definitely more research is doing is, is being done um, so that we can figure out like, what, what are we doing to even get this? Like, where's this coming from? Because I don't have a history in my family. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you have a history of breast cancer or cancer at all in your family? Um, I, I do have some cancer in my family, but according to my doctors, it's not connected to breast cancer. So. so what was your plan? So you went to the oncologist and they gave you your treatment plan. What was your treatment plan? What did that look like? Whew. So I was on um, chemo. My first, I had a total of eight rounds of chemo and my first four rounds of chemo, they nicknamed uh, red devil because it's like this red treatment 
that goes through your body. And it's, it's very hard. I remember having my um, first treatment and they gave me something. It's called a man. And um, I felt like my chest tightened up. I thought I was having a heart attack. I could not breathe. And my husband had stepped away to go to the restroom and like, I couldn't even talk. And I remember like trying to like flag a nurse down because I knew I was going to pass out at any at any moment. And so the nurse came over and they took it out. And so they were able to, you know, flush it out of my system. And you could just feel, I could feel like my body like relax. And so they said, you know, that's the thing about, you know, these treatments, we don't know how your body will respond. So, um, you know, they're, they're kind of figuring it out because everyone is different, but yeah. So, um, was your very first treatment, my very first treatment. And I'm thinking, is this what it's going to be like? But, um, it, it, it was fine after that, you know, once they, they figured that out. So they give you this treatment, your body reacts to this way. You feel like you're going to pass out. You feel like your mm-hmm. chest is tightened up. What was their plan? So at this point, do they just switch your medication? Do they switch your treatment? How do you, what did that even look like? So I continued with the um, chemo. It's just they give you certain drugs prior to. So um, an amand is just kind of like a um, a drug, like an anti-nausea, just something to kind of prep you for receiving um, the actual chemo. And, you know, the funny thing about chemo is like you, you kind of sleep through it because they also give you Benadryl just to kind of, because you're sitting there for like five hours and um, you're fine. Like the first two days, you're completely fine. Energy, everything is great. That day three, like something in your body just shuts down. So I always know day three after chemo, I'm going to be in bed all day. I'm not going to be able to to eat. Um, It's just going to be harsh, right? But um, after about a week, because I had chemo every other week, after about a week, you're kind of feeling good. You're coming out of it, you know, but you know, in a week, you're going to have to go through it again. <laughs> From the time that you got your diagnosis to the mm-hmm. time of your first treatment, what was that time span? Oh, goodness. Probably, I would say about three weeks because you have to go through insurance approval. And um, once I went to Baylor, because I I had my mammogram done at a different hospital. So Baylor, they want to do their own tests, right? And so they had to go through all of their testing and you have to schedule appointments, which takes time. So um, so it was probably about three weeks once we got insurance approval and all of that. So during those three weeks, what's going through your mind? Like, where are you at mentally? And emotional, like what is going through your mind? Because you haven't even had your first treatment. All you know is that you've been diagnosed. So those three weeks, do you remember how you were feeling and what was going through your mind? Um, honestly, just just my kids. Like, I did not want their life to change. I didn't want, you know, their activities to change. I wanted everything to stay completely normal for them. So it was just kind of planning it out. And putting putting people in place. Hey, if I don't feel good, I need a backup to get Kendall to, you know, her lesson or, you know, Kylie to her lesson because, you know, my husband can, you know, he continued to work. Um, So it's just, it was really planning. And then I still had, you know, my job. 
I still thought about that. <laughs> were they, were your, was your job flexible? Did they work with you? Were they supportive throughout this process? Um, they were supportive, but I thought they could have offered more for the amount of time I had been there. What was interesting, my husband had just started his job and, um, and this happened, right. And they were so supportive. I mean, they immediately started a meal train for my family. And so I like, not even kidding you. So many people brought food to our house. I mean, they're giving us gift cards and gifts. I mean, it was just, wow. It, it was, we were surprised. We were surprised just because he was so new, you know, and throughout my whole treatment, which was, it's probably a process of like a year going through the whole thing. They never made him take PTO. Never. They just let him take that time off to be with me. That's really yeah. good. That's, mm-hmm. And how long had he been at the job? In his Not even a year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Now, during that process, during your diagnosis, what people don't know is that you had a major, something very traumatic happen. I did. Did you, did you, do you mind talking about that? No, I don't mind. I will probably get emotional. <laughs> I'll probably get emotional right now. We'll just cry together and move on, but... Yes. So yes. How, after your diagnosis, can you tell us what happened? So um, it was at the end of June. So I think I had one treatment in and I received a call from my sister, Jackie, that um, my mother was in the hospital, that something happened with my mother and I needed to get to Tyler. And she had been trying to call me, but I leave my ringer off. Mm-hmm. And so um I remember it was probably five o'clock in the morning and I called her back and I'm like, what's going on? And, and so I told my husband, stay home with the kids, keep them in school and all of that. I'm driving to Tyler, you know, cause my mom's in the hospital. And so, um, you know, she's, she ended up having, um, congestive heart failure, but that whole process, because, um, <laughs> I never got to talk to her again. So that was really hard. Um, Really hard. So I was there for a couple of days and I had to go back to Houston for my treatment. And so I did that. Um, But we decided to let her go on my um, sister and my daughter's birthday. But uh, she didn't actually pass away on the 4th. She passed away on the 5th. It's like she um, didn't want to do that on um, on their birthday. So, and I remember um, coming back home to get my kids because we, you know, we had to plan for her funeral and her funeral was the next weekend. And um, that's when all my hair fell out. <laughs> right then. So before I was like, oh, Maybe I'll be that one percenter who doesn't lose her hair. But um, at, at, at that time, during that time, so I told my husband to shave it off because I don't want to deal with losing it in, you know, in the shower or whatever. 
So we did. <laughs> you shaved it off right before your mom's services, right? I did. I remember that. I, <laughs> that was major. That was very big. Like you're dealing with so much. Before mm-hmm. your mom passed away, did you all have a conversation about your diagnosis and you being diagnosed? With, with my mom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did. I remember talking to my mom and my dad on FaceTime and, you know, and they, they were trying to, trying to stay positive, but I could see the worry in her face. Yeah. I could. Do you remember anything that she told you that she hold on to? Um, on to doing your treatment and doing your breast cancer process? Um, you know, when I, when I told them that I was you know, that my test came back that I do have breast cancer. Um, you know, when we were ending the conversation, she told me that she loved me. So, um, and this is not like a, a negative thing on my parents. They just didn't, I just didn't grow up with my parents telling me they love me all the time. We didn't do a lot of hugging and, and all of that. It's just, you knew they loved you because, you know, of how they took care of you, right? And so for her to say that to me, like it meant a lot. That is really emotional because you're already dealing with so much. Mm-hmm. And you have these treat you're starting your treatments, and then you find out that your mom passes away during this. And you have to continue to fight mm-hmm. your breast cancer fight. So you're going, you had your first treatment. So you're going into your second treatment after your mom has passed away, right? Is that correct? Um, so I went into my second treatment right before we made the decision. So it's like I went home on like a Tuesday or Wednesday and my treatments were on Fridays. And so um, I went home for that. And then after my treatment, I drove back um, to Houston. And um, when she passed away on the 5th, which I think was a Tuesday, um, I went back to get my family and then we all came back together. So how were your treatments? You were having your treatments every other week. And you mm-hmm. said it was hard because that third day you knew you were going to be out. Mm-hmm. Then you start feeling better and it's time for another treatment. So you had eight weeks of chemo. Mm-hmm. After the chemo, what was the next step? We had to give my body um, a month to recover because that chemo, like it, like everything is just kind of your immune system is down. Everything is down. And so your body has to rebuild. So they so we scheduled, so my chemo ended at the end of September. And so at the end of October is when I had my double mastectomy. And what I didn't know, which is quite interesting, is that's typically a day procedure. Like you're in and out on the same day to remove your breasts. How crazy is that? I did spend the night though, because <laughs> um, they give you the option. And I said, um, I definitely want to stay over because you just don't know. I mean, that's major. Um, and so I remember um, after I had my mastectomy, my, um, so you have a, a surgeon who is an oncology surgeon, and then you have a plastic surgeon. And so there were two surgeons in the room and they were there for two different reasons. So my oncology surgeon is just there to remove my breast. And then the plastic surgeon, because I decided to go with reconstruction, the plastic surgeon um, put in these spacers. And so they're almost, they almost look like uh, breast implants, 
but they're not full. Um, they fill them with saline. And then every other week, they just add more saline just to kind of stretch your skin out for your new breasts. So I remember um, my surgeon coming in and saying um, that my cancer was gone. She said there were no signs of cancer when we removed your breasts um, because they, they test the tissue to see if any of the surrounding tissue are showing any signs. And so um, she said it's, it's completely gone. The chemo killed all of it. And wow, what a moment, you know? <laughs> Did it just, whew. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm yeah. like, I hope this is working. <laughs> it's the whole time you don't know. You're just hoping and praying that, or do you know her? Well, so halfway through that you, um, you get like a, like a CT scan to see if the tumor is shrinking. And I remember going to that appointment. And so we're still in like a time of COVID in 2021. And so the day of my appointment to get my scan, like half of their staff had COVID. And so they were short, you know, they were short staffed. And so they were moving very slow because they didn't have enough people there. And I mean, I was probably in that waiting room for like two hours. And I knew that this is the day you're going to tell me, is my, is this working or is it not? And so I'm in the back in my gown and this nurse comes over to me and she just hugs me during COVID. She just hugs me and I break down and she starts praying over me right there. And I'm just like, the way God has worked through this whole process, it's just been amazing. Just been amazing. And so, um, but it, it put me at peace, you know, to let me know that it's going to be okay. We're going to have to wait a little bit, but it'll be okay. And so, but my tumor was shrinking at that point, at that appointment. So we knew that it was shrinking. I just didn't know if it would completely shrink all the way. Was it your decision or did, and correct me, help me make me knowledgeable of the process. Did you make the decision to have a double mastectomy? Is that something they suggested? Or was that something you said, hey, I don't want to have to go through this again. Go ahead and do this. Um, no, they recommended a lumpectomy. And that's where they just take um, take the tumor out and the tissue surrounding it, like a certain area of tissue around it, but it's not removing your breast at all. And I was like, no, because I had talked to um, other women who had been through it. And um, the one thing they said was, get the double mastectomy. Don't take one, take them both. Because if they take one, it's likely it's coming back in the other. And so you don't want to go through this twice. Just take them both. Um, they have come so far in reconstruction that um, it's not even worth it. Yeah. And so I knew in my mind, I don't care what you say. We're removing both of these. So um, we did. Did you have a conversation with your husband before making that decision or you just automatically knew? You I knew. Him? I knew. And he was very supportive. You know, he was like, whatever you want to do, I understand your reasoning. So um, yeah, I support you. So, so I did. You have October, you have this one month break to mm -hmm. have your mastectomy to let your body start to kind of heal from the chemo, mm -hmm. your double mastectomy, and you're starting the reconstruction process. Mm -hmm. How long was that process? And was that process painful? Um, the spacers are painful. Like, um, so after you have your mastectomy, you have these um, drains 
I don't know if you've ever heard anyone talk about drains, Mm -hmm. but they're these tubes that are inside and, you know, they're just draining the fluids inside your body. And um, that's, it's very uncomfortable because they're kind of sewn in on the sides. So you're, you're feeling it every time you move, you're feeling it. Um, And you have to strip them. You have to strip them twice a day. So because, and I hope this isn't like too graphic, but you know, these fluids are getting like caught up in the, in the tubes. So you just kind of have to pull them to like push all that fluid into this bulb. And, you know, you have to dump that. I told my husband, I said, I'm sure you had no idea (laughs) that you would have to do something like this. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's the hard part. And I had the drains in two weeks. So they took one out after one week. And then I had four at the time. They took two out after the first week and then two out after the second week. And then I had some relief. But the um, spacers, because they're filling it with saline, you know, your skin is stretching. And so it's not comfortable. Um, but then after a day, you're fine. And you're working throughout this whole process. You're throughout working, this whole process. Mm-hmm. You're working. And you, you're, you are very adamant about your kids' life not changing, like mm-hmm. them moving on, them staying active, because your girls are very active. They're in a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different things. So you are adamant about keeping that same schedule. Mm-hmm. At what point did you take some time for yourself? Like, how were you helping your mental state? What were you doing for? Because you lost your mother, you've gone, you're fighting this fight, you're fighting yeah. breast cancer, you're going through these treatments. How? What, during that process, what were you doing for yourself to make sure that you were in a good place? Um, you know, fortunately, during this time, I was working from home. So my company did allow me to work from home um, during that time. So I felt like that's when I kind of had my breaks. And it's so funny because people would say, gosh, you're so strong. Every time I see you, you have a smile on your face. You were like really fighting this with... Um, with a positive attitude. And I'm like, I'm glad that's what you see because what you don't see is me in my closet crying um, at two in the morning. Like, uh, cause it can, it can take a mental toll on you, but um, just, you know, trying to um, like be surrounded by positive things, reading positive things. Um, you have to be very careful what uh, groups you get in. Cause there are so many support groups. And crazy enough, someone mentioned, I have a Peloton and someone mentioned the Peloton breast cancer group is like amazing. So I was like, I didn't even know they had a group for breast cancer. So I joined that group. Absolutely amazing. If you come in with negative energy, they tell you, we don't tolerate that here. So you can go to another group for that. You know, we, uh, and they are very positive and open to questions. And it's so many women in there who have been through it. And um, I don't know, it was a great group. So that truly helped too. So that was kind of where you were finding your support from. Mm-hmm. And they group like, listen, I don't know what's going to happen next. Can someone help me or and they were what to do. Yeah. And I have a, um, I have a friend who lost her brother the year before to brain cancer. And so it's a different cancer, but it's still cancer. And she's on the support side to lose her only brother. And you know what that process was like. And, um, she checked in with me often and, you know, just kind of gave me, Hey, this is what helped my brother when he was going through, you know, his treatments and like, 
I don't know. She was just very good at reading what I needed. And, you know, I had the support from my family and friends, but when you haven't been through it, you really, you don't know what to say. You know, you don't know what to do. And before this, were you one of those people that would raise your hand and say, hey, I need help or, hey, I'm struggling. Or are you very internalized? Mm-hmm. I'll figure it out how to deal with mm-hmm. it. Is that, how, is that the same approach you took with fighting your battle with cancer? Was it like, I'll just figure it out? Or were you like, hey, I need help. I need someone to help me figure this out. Somebody pray for me right now because I'm right. weak. <laughs> like, you know what's so funny? So I'm an introvert, <laughs> which is the total opposite <laughs> of my sister Jackie. <laughs> so it's like I always joke because I'm like, ooh, sometimes being around a lot of people trains me. And so I can't do that every day. Right. But that's like that's how she thrives. And so I remember um, I remember it was like one of my friends talked to Jackie about we want to do a shirt for Andrea. And so she was like, what do you think about that? Are you okay with me posting this on social media? Because I had to post this on social media because I don't post on social media. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. If you want to post it, you know, I'm not going to say anything. And so she said, okay, I'll put something together. And so, um, you know, she came up with a t-shirt. And so I said, you know, I don't know a lot of people. So um, (laughs) it's probably just going to be a small few to buy the shirts. (laughs) You were blown away. <laughs> I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. And even Jackie, she was like, you said it wouldn't be a lot of people. <laughs> I remember. I remember some, I some other girlfriends going to help fold the shirts. Yes. Because it was just an overwhelming response. Like you mm-hmm. were not expecting. How did that make you feel? Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, just so, so blessed and loved, you know, and I felt like I wasn't fighting this alone. Like I felt like I had um, true warriors who were praying for me, you know, and, and checking in on me. And, and that, that exposed me to other women who were going through the same thing. Um, Cause I remember Jackie sending me a message saying, Hey, somebody, sent me a message saying, do you think your sister will talk to me? Because I just got diagnosed with the same type of breast cancer. And I was like, absolutely. I don't know what I can say. But um, so I ended up, we ended up talking on the phone for like an hour, you know, about, you know, how she got diagnosed and she's so much younger than me. And that broke my heart because um, so I guess I was 47 at the time. And I was considered young. I was considered young for getting breast cancer. And um, this girl I talked to, she was in her early 30s. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You know, that is so early. You're not even at an age where you should even be getting a mammogram. And this is happening to you. Did you know how she found out? I mean, what what even caused her to? You know, so she um, she got the COVID vaccine. And I say this is connected to COVID at all. But, and she noticed under her arm, you know, she had like, um, her, they were swollen under her armpit. It was swollen. And so her doctor said, you know, that can happen after getting the vaccine. Let's give it 10 days. And um, she did, and it was still swollen. So she went back and, you know, and her doctor said, hmm, we need to get this checked out. So they went through the testing and she had breast cancer. You know, so she was, um, 
Like she, you know, it's like, it's so important to know your body. If your body's doing something it doesn't normally do, get that checked out because something could definitely be happening. That That is just, it's scary. You know, you mm-hmm. live with your body every day and you don't know what's going on on the inside of your body. Nope. And you say you were faithful at getting your mammogram. You mm-hmm. were faithful, you were consistent. Do you think that was one of the reasons why you were able to catch it so early? I do. I definitely do. Um, Just being at stage one. And what's interesting is um, they biopsied my lymph nodes under my right arm. So my tumor was in my right breast and they biopsied my lymph nodes under my right arm because it was swollen. But I got my COVID vaccine in my left arm. So they didn't even think that's not that's not connected. Um, But the biopsy came out negative. And um, I'm one of those people like that happens like my under my arms, I will like swell and get tender. Mm-hmm. And so my doctor, she's always told me to switch, switch your deodorant. Sometimes you can get your body gets too accustomed to your deodorant. And that normally is the fix. And so, um, yeah, but with her, um, you know what? I can't even remember if she tested positive in her lymph nodes or not. I'll have to ask her again. We still talk. Never met in person, but we still talk. So she did. She did survive her cancer. So that she did. Really, she did. Really, that's really good. Now, the breast cancer. How did that, or did it impact your marriage in any way? Did it take your marriage to another level that you didn't know? What was the impact of the breast cancer? Oh, on your goodness. Marriage? I think when they say in sickness and health, people just kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. Um, Goodness, it, I, I have to be perfectly honest. It was, we had some rough times. You know, it's hard. Um, it's hard on, it's hard on your relationship. It really is. And we hit some, some pretty, pretty big bumps in the road, but I can say that um, it made us stronger. Like it made us um, more vulnerable with each other. Um, and when they say communication is key in a marriage, uh, that's real. Like if something is bothering you and we're kind of like, I'm just going to keep the peace, not going to bring it up because I don't want to be a nag, uh, be that nag, bring it up and be honest, you know? And I feel like, I feel like our marriage is new and stronger now because we can be honest about certain things. Cause you know, dating all the way back to when we first got married, like there are things, about me that bothered my husband and things about him that bothered me. And now um, that we've had these open and honest conversations about it, I just feel like um, we're better. We're better for it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> and it just kind of made you all closer. I heard you use the mm-hmm. word new. It was like mm-hmm. a newness as in ability mm-hmm. with each other. Is that where the newness was coming mm-hmm. in? It was. It was. Do you know how he dealt with your diagnosis? Because I'm sure he wasn't coming to you and saying, hey, I'm struggling. Or did he have his own support system? He did. So he has a uh, group of friends in our neighborhood. And so, um, like, he spent a lot of time with them. Um, That was hard. So it was you know, he's used to me, like I'm the, I'm the planner. I'm getting everyone in order. Like I populate his calendar. So he knows where he needs to be and what he needs to do. And so like me, like 
not being able to do all of that like I could before, um, I think it I think it hit him hard. And I think it hit our relationship hard because it was an unexpected change. Like this was not part of the plan, you know, and um, it was just very different. And we had to pivot. And, um, you know, we eventually did get there, but it was uh, not without, it was some work. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Did you see your girls, did you see them deal with it? Do you feel like they deal with it? Because they have this, they're afraid for their mom, but they've lost their grandmother. How did Mm -hmm. they deal with this? Because they're grieving and they're probably afraid that something's going to happen to their mom. Mm -hmm. Was there counseling involved or what was their outlet? How did they deal with it? You know what's so interesting? You've met my girls, so they're they're not the most outgoing individuals. <laughs> so, so um, you know, at the end of it, I did ask them. You know, like, what did you? How were you feeling? Like, what did you think during this process? And both of my girls said, "I wasn't worried. I knew you were going to survive this." I was like, "Really." Wow. You know, that says a lot. And, um, and I, I didn't even know if they really talked about it at school until my daughter, Kylie, um, she was, she was still in elementary school at the time. And she brought this letter home to me that her friend wrote for me. I wish I would have brought it in here with me to read it to you because it was the sweetest letter. Um, from her friend about how she was praying for me and she sent me this little flower home. It was just the sweetest letter. So um, that let me know that, you know, they're like talking about this with their friends and they wore their um, stronger than cancer t-shirts to school and their bracelets. I mean, they, they, they still wear it. Like I'll look up and they, they are wearing the t-shirt today. <laughs> to school. So, um, but you know, like I said, I was very open with them and, um, show them the whole process. Like when my breasts were removed and I had all these bandages and stuff, I let them see all of that. This is what it looks like. You know, this is what, you know, mommy feels like. And sometimes I'll say, you know, mommy's very tired and I just, you know, need to lay in the bed for a little while, but we can watch a movie later. Um, and they, they respected that and they were okay. I think that's good that you were open and you kept that line of communication open. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you don't know all the details that allows room for you to draw your own conclusions. And a lot of times it's worse than what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So by keeping that line of communication and being vulnerable and open with your girls, that probably gave them that peace to be like, okay, she's going to be okay. You know, mm-hmm. this next step. So that's, I commend you for that to even know how to do yeah. that. To even <laughs> to that because I don't know if I would necessarily be that open with my kids I don't think that would have been my initial thought so mm-hmm. do that that's that's really good are there any misconceptions that you feel like people have about breast cancer or even just the process of fighting breast cancer that you want to make people aware of um I don't know about um misconceptions but Every, everyone processes different, right? So I'm not saying everyone should be as open about it, but I can tell you that it's therapeutic. It's therapeutic being open about it and not keeping all of that to yourself. So find your circle, find your people and, um, you know, and, and really just, just fight through it and 
make sure you're getting your exams and even your um, your self exams. Because to be perfectly honest, I never did self exams at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did not. And one thing I found once um, someone told me, they said, you know, your spouse have them like check your breast, right? That kind of gets them involved in the process because there are husbands who discovered a lump in their wife's breast because they're like, this feels different, you know? So um, do your self exams at home. Pick one day, you know, typically most people do it on the first, first of the month. And, um, you know, if you feel something that's different, ask ask questions. And um, unfortunately, um, black women are not always taken seriously when we say something is off and, um, but you know, fight, fight and go see someone else, make them see you, make them give you the same test that they would give other people because your life is worth it. That's right. That's right. I had another set of women on and they talked about infertility and they talked mm-hmm. about they talked about being an advocate for yourself and knowing what tests to ask for. Are there any tests that we should be asking for that we should be saying, hey, this doesn't feel right. Can we can you run this test? Are there any tests that you know of or that we should be raising our hands saying, hey, this is what we need. to. This is the test that I want ran on myself. Um, I would say yes. So when getting your mammogram, there's a standard mammogram and then you can pay extra for a 3D mammogram. And it's it's looking deeper into the tissue because many women like myself, I had very dense breast tissue. So everything's not going to show up on that mammogram. Um, but if you get a 3D, they can see more, right? Because this cancer could be growing and no one's like seeing it, but it's there. Um, so, and honestly, the 3D mammogram was like an extra $25. It's worth it. <laughs> now, it's funny you say that because when I had my mammogram a few months ago, that was one of the things that they brought up. Oh, you have very dense breast tissue. Mm. So initially, my doctor said this before I went to have my mammogram. And so I looked at my records. I pulled up my own reports and I read that, you know, dense breast tissue, dense breast tissue. But no one ever, no one has ever recommended that I have a 3D mammogram. Well. So, yeah, and I think that's the problem that's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. You go to these professionals, and you're expecting them to say, "Hey, at this point, you should do X, Y, and Z," and you mm-hmm. just you you don't have the knowledge to know that. Okay, this is what I should be asking for. Right. So that makes me feel like I probably should go back in and say, mm-hmm. "Hey." I just want to go for my peace of mind to mm-hmm. have 3D. It's a 3D mammogram. Or is that what it's called? Or what is mm-hmm. it called? A 3D mm-hmm. Did you always know that you had dense breast tissue? Or I did. So that was something that you knew about. During that time before you were diagnosed, did anyone ever recommend that you have a 3D mammogram? You know, they did. So, you know, when you check in, they, and, and a friend had told me, you know, make sure you get the 3D It's like 25 bucks, but it's worth it. And so um, when they offered it to me, I said, yes. So then every year I would always just ask for it. I would automatically say yes. And I'm getting the 3D this time. So, um, but it had to be someone telling me first 
make sure you get this, you know, like don't let them like quickly bring it up and kind of blow it off. You don't have to do it, but it is offered. Yes, do it. It's worth it. That's something that I'm going to take away and apply to me personally. You know, (laughs) you have a queen of jewel. Is there something you want to share? But that's something that I can truly apply for myself. Is there anything else that you feel like we should know about the process from like even the treatments, like how do you prepare for the treatments or is there anything that we can do to put ourselves in a better situation or just to prepare a woman? If this is your outcome, this is what you need to look forward to, or you need to do to prepare. Um, you know what? One thing that helped me is maintaining a healthy diet. So when you're going through treatments, it's very important to get as many fruits and vegetables in as possible. Like, I I feel like I didn't have, like some people get really, really sick, you know, and they can't keep anything down. I did not experience that. I did have a nauseous stomach, but, um, and the nausea medication actually made me more nauseous. So I didn't take any nausea medication. I would just eat fruit. Like smoothies were my friend. I made smoothies all the time. And um, something someone else had recommended to me that I didn't even think about. I didn't even think this happened. But when you're going through chemo, it's like burning the inside of your body. So your nails will literally turn black and fall off. Your fingernails and your toenails. And so someone said... Get some tea tree oil um, and it comes in like a polish and put it on your nails every day. And that saved me Wow! because I saw where they were starting to turn brown at the bed, which she told me. And so I started um, putting that on every day faithfully and it worked. It 100% worked. And I'm, I'm so thankful that she told me that. Because, you know, in addition to everything else going on, who needs their nails to fall off, right? You've already <laughs> lost your hair. And that you had you have beautiful hair. So Thank even you. that, you know, you had to deal with that. So at least you could save your nails. You didn't have to go through yes. your hair or in your nails. Uh, I, I did want to ask you this. When you cut your hair off, I know you had so much going on. Did you have a chance or did you feel sadness or any kind of, gosh, now my hair? Did you feel any emotions or anything attached to losing your hair? I think the introvert in me, I don't like a lot of attention on myself, right? So I think, I don't even think it bothered me that my hair fell out because I knew that was part of the process, but it's just people looking at me and I don't like for people to have pity on me. Um, I don't like being a victim. Right. So that was the the hard part. And I remember um, because I did eventually go back to the office and that's the story. But I went back to the office and I remember tying a scarf on my head and it just kept sliding. And it was just such a nuisance, such a pain. And so um, and of course, everyone in the office is completely shocked. Right. Even though they know it's still you look different. Right. Because not only does your hair fall out, but you lose your eyebrows, too. And so um, the next morning I'm driving into work and the owner of my company calls me and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Right. And so he said, hey, probably going to get in trouble for saying this. (laughs) He said, but I noticed you had your scarf on yesterday and I just want to tell you, take that scarf off. He said, you actually, um, you look more like you have cancer with the scarf on. And then with the scarf off. And he said, the great thing about black women, 
you can be bald and rock that. And he said, you're already beautiful. So no one's going to question you if you're a black woman with a bald head because black women do that and that's okay. And so from that moment on, I was like, whew, I don't have to worry about this sliding stuff every day. I can take this off and just go. And he's right. No one questioned me. So no you, one. did you need that phone call for you to take the scarf off? Was mm-hmm. that the, the most, <laughs> on your way in, did you just go ahead and just I, I take it off? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and I walked in. And yes, initially my coworkers were like, oh, your head is so pretty. And it's so good that you have this beautiful round head. So it works for you. And I'm like, well, thank goodness. But <laughs> was that a sense of relief for you? Like, okay, it was. That's one less thing I have to worry about. Mm-hmm. One less thing. Well, I so. want to thank you. I want to thank you for sharing your story. I want to thank you for being vulnerable, for even opening up to tell. And I feel like you've given us some things that we can go and ask for me specifically. Like, hey, I need this three, I need this three mammogram. I need to know what's going on. You know, don't just rush me in here and rush me out. But I do want to stress to everyone listening, we have to advocate for ourselves. We have to dig a little deeper, ask one more question, because I, you know, we have listeners of all races and nationalities. Mm-hmm. But African American women, we are suffering more. Our voices do go unheard when we're going to the doctor. So we have to scream and advocate for ourselves. No one else is going to do it. We can't Absolutely. leave our health in the hands of someone else. And we have to be able to share this information. So make sure that we are sharing. Like Andrea came on and said, hey, ask these questions, do this, be vulnerable, make sure you have your mammograms. We have to do that with someone else. We have to do that with our kids. We have to, we have to make sure we're holding each other accountable. And we have to make sure that we're being a safe place for our sister to come and say, Hey, I'm not in a good space, but it also sounds like you had a positive support group. It did. A positive support group, but everything you were feeding yourself during that time, it sounded like it was positive from the foods that you were eating, the people that you were surrounding yourselves around, you were just taking in a lot of positive. I was. And I, I I failed to mention this, but my girl's dance teacher was diagnosed with the same type of breast cancer. She's in her 70s. And um, so we were able to partner together as well. It's just so many people. But my um, my family, my in-laws, my, you know, my sisters and my brother and just my I have a huge family and they faithfully put on their shirts and posted their videos and. I am forever grateful for my huge support system. <laughs> I remember, because uh, I think we will wear it on your treatment, the days that you would have treatment. The days that, mm-hmm. And so it was a day that you had treatment and I had to go show some clients some houses. I'm like, hey, y'all, come get this picture. <laughs> I had this shirt on. And they, my my clients, they were, there was a young, it was a young couple, but they were so happy. They were like, yeah, we'll take a picture and we'll be playing for her. So yes, we or our shirt. I don't care. I'm like, hey, they're going to get this t-shirt today. <laughs> Thank you so much. But Thank yeah. you so much. Do you have any queendom jewel? You know, that's a motto. That's word of advice. Anything that a woman can or a man can apply to their daily life and to add a jewel in their crown. Do you have anything that you want to give anyone? Ooh. Love yourself. Love yourself. We only get one chance at this amazing life. So um, don't put up with anything that you don't have to put up with. 
um, make decisions that's best for you. And um, just just don't be afraid to put yourself first. That's good. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> that's great. I want to say thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? Are you good? Emotional? You know, I'm doing well. So I am um, I am in Jack and Jill. I'm sure Jackie tells you that I'm always with my Jack and Jill family. <laughs> and so we have these uh, groups and um, one of them is a fitness group. And so we met at 7 a.m. this morning and worked out. And gosh, my level of energy after that workout, I can I can do anything. I'm like, oh, I feel so good. And then to be able to fellowship with my sisters, you know, it's just, I don't know. It, it's great. It's a great feeling. So I'm feeling great today. That's good. That's good. I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for raising your hand and saying, hey, I want to come on and tell my story. So thank you for that. Do you want, I know, listen, I know you're an introvert and I know you're very private. Do you want people to follow you? Do you have anything that you want people to support? It could be a breast cancer group. It could be, we can make donations. Is there anything that you want the listeners to support? Oh gosh, I wish I would have been prepared for that. No, um, um, I don't have a huge social media following. I don't do anything. <laughs> I don't even post. So I'm not even a great person to follow. <laughs> if you think of any groups, Send them to me before the episode okay. drops and I'll put it in the comments. I'll put it in the body for us to go and support. But if Perfect. you know anyone with breast cancer, if there is an organization, don't to su- donate to Susan G. Coleman. There's yeah. a race that's coming up. So find something, find some way to be supportive and give back. Um, I want to thank you all for listening. You can always follow us on all social media platforms at Queendom Talks Podcast. And we'll see you next week. And thank you. Thank you for getting this message out. This is huge. (laughs) Thank you.